You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Lawsuit is a scary word for physicians, but a great defense lawyer can provide the support to help prevent that word from becoming part of a physician's life. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, healthcare provider and attorney, and with me is Donna Sokol, JD, medical malpractice defense attorney with her law firm, Hughes, Sokol, Piers, Resnick, and Dim. Mrs. Sokol has defended numerous multi-million dollar lawsuits involving brain damage and impaired infants, as well as serious injuries and deaths involving adults and children. Donna has defended physicians in most medical specialties and has also arbitrated matters before the Departments of Professional Regulation on behalf of physicians. Today we are discussing what a physician can do to prevent a medical malpractice lawsuit. Donna, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So let's start out by asking the question, is it really possible to prevent a lawsuit? In my opinion, it is. It is possible to prevent a lawsuit, and I always say there are three ways to prevent a lawsuit, and it is documentation, documentation, documentation. So why is documentation so important? It's important because the chart can be your friend or your foe, and it's important because it is your description of the events written at the time of an occurrence at a time when no one's expecting an untoward outcome. And it can be helpful to bolster what you were thinking and to show your reasonable judgment. It's also a time when a patient comes in to receive health care and they're there to tell the truth so that they get proper care. So in the chart, of course, is something that the plaintiff's lawyer looks at first thing when he or she is trying to decide whether or not to file a lawsuit. So a well-documented chart speaks the physician's truth. So what I hear you saying is when you're making your notes today about what happens to a patient and then three months or six months or 12 months from now, something, a bad outcome happens, you're able to go back and say, look, this is what I wrote when I didn't know the patient was going to sue me. Is that what you're getting at? That's exactly right. Should you document things like discussions that you have with the patient? Absolutely. And the documentation should be very factual And it's a good idea to put what the patient says in quotes. So you not only have what you discussed with the patient, but their response in quotes. So there's no question that that's what the patient said. And you were trying to be very accurate about the discussion. What other kinds of things besides patient-physician conversation should be a part of the record? Everything relating to patient care, the patient's history, obviously medications, progress notes, your thoughts, your plans, and what you ultimately plan on doing for the patient in terms of care, in terms of possible ideologies. So let's talk first about handwritten records. So is it okay if I'm a physician for me to use abbreviations and other shortcuts that I have for my practice? It is okay, as long as you understand your handwriting and and what the abbreviations are, if there is an an unfortunate outcome and a lawsuit. It takes a long time to write those notes, and these days physicians' time is at a premium. So do you have any recommendations on how physicians can sort of shortcut the process without making the record devoid of the important information? There really is no shortcut, unfortunately. The physician must be thorough in documenting conversations, plans of management, all of that. Are computerized records just as good as written records? They are. They usually are, and I think most hospitals 
and physicians are going to computerized records. But again, it's important to check what's actually written for accuracy. What about the information that other people in your office put in your record? Am I responsible for that as a physician? You're not responsible for what they write, but it is a good idea to know what they're writing, especially if it's a resident or a medical student uh, who you have some responsibility for. You should go back and see what that individual has written about your patient and make sure that it's accurate. So what if I disagree with an entry that somebody else made in the patient's record? What do I do? Well, you write your own note, and that's a little tricky because you don't want to be argumentative or editorialized by saying things like, I disagree, that's absolutely wrong. But you want to write a very factual note explaining your thought process and that it is different than perhaps a resident's. So what if I make a mistake while I'm charting? What should I do? The only thing to do is to cross it out by putting a line through the mistaken entry and initialing it and dating it. So I write down that I gave somebody a certain antibiotic and then I later realize I gave them a different antibiotic. You're saying I just put a single line through it, put my initials in the date, and then what do I do? And then you write the correct information. And do I sort of try and scribble it in in that note in the same spot? No, you don't want to scribble it in in the same spot. You just want to write it underneath in a very legible fashion. You don't want to look like you're trying to cover up something or squeeze it in. You, again, want to make it legible. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I am attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I am speaking with malpractice defense attorney Donna Sokol, discussing what it means for a physician to be involved in a medical malpractice lawsuit. Are there certain terms or phrases that I should avoid using when I'm completing my record? Again, I can't emphasize enough that you want to be factual in describing things, and especially in an obstetrical case, you want to avoid using terms like fetal distress, which just leads to a very bad conclusion in a courtroom. So you would, if you were describing a heart rate tracing, you would describe the variability, you would describe what the findings were as opposed to using conclusions. So you want me to paint a picture so that any other clinician that's trained like me could look at those facts and come to the same conclusion, but you don't want me to write the conclusion down there. That's correct. Can you give me another example of where that might occur so that uh, I can get a better understanding of that? Another example might be birth asphyxia, secondary to labor and delivery. Sometimes you see a pediatrician who's caring for an infant after a delivery writing terms like that, which can give an adverse conclusion. So if I see somebody else who's just made one of those couple of word conclusions in there, is it important for me to go someplace else in the chart and write down all the facts that sort of support what was really going on? It would be good if you were actually still following the patient in a neonatal sense. Unfortunately, a lot of doctors, you know, are not in that position. So that's why it's important to have your note be factual and accurate and as thoughtful as it can be. So once I get all of that factual information into the chart, is it important for me to write down what my conclusion is then? No, it's not a good thing to editorialize or write conclusions about patient care. You just want to set forth your management plan and perhaps state a successful outcome. What's the impact of a poorly documented chart in a malpractice lawsuit? The impact of a poorly documented chart, 
usually leads to a settlement, unfortunately, and that's because when a lawsuit finally gets to the point where it's even filed, it might be two years or four years down the road, and the physician isn't going to remember all the important facts involving the patient's care, and there are going to be time gaps and memory loss and no way to recreate exactly what happened. So are you saying that if a physician went in front of a jury and said, I didn't write it down, but six years ago I remember standing in the room and this is what I remember seeing and doing and saying that the jury won't believe that person? I suspect they might not. It would be a serious credibility issue and the plaintiff's lawyer would have a great time trying to show how that physician didn't remember a number of other things and couldn't possibly have recalled everything involving that patient's care with a lack of documentation. And is the opposite true that if I have a really well-documented chart, but five or six years later, I would say on the stand, well, I don't actually recall the time that I treated this patient and things took place, but I know what I wrote and I can recreate that picture for me? Is that a strong stance a physician could take? It's a very strong stance, and that's the type of chart that a plaintiff lawyer dreads because there's really nothing to talk about, no room to cross-examine. If the plan is there, the thought process is there, and, and it's a good one, even if there is an unfortunate outcome. So what other things can a physician do to prevent a lawsuit from happening? Outside of documentation, I communication is essential. And by that, I mean communicating with the patient so that they understand exactly what went on and they understand that you're caring and compassionate and not afraid to explain to them what happened. And communication is also important among healthcare providers, for that matter, to talk to make sure that the nurses understand what your plan is and residents medical students even. And is there even a component of that uh, communication that takes place before the procedure so that a patient is comfortable that they understand what they're doing and they actually make the decision on what treatment to select? These days, uh, patient informed consent is obviously very important. It's an allegation that a physician could be sued on. And you, the physician, wants to make sure that the patient understands the procedure and has an integral part in choosing and selecting option A from option B. So communicating with the patient and helping them understand it, they actually make the selection of the treatment, not the physician. Well, the physician suggests, and of course, the patient is going to say, what do you recommend? And usually follow the suggestion of the physician, but it's important that the patient understands if there are different options like vaginal birth or use of forceps versus cesarean section and has a part in that decision-making process and will have uh, a good informed consent. Are there other things that happen in an office that can help prevent a lawsuit, like communication from staff to patient and other ways that the patient feels more comfortable in the office? Quite often, when a patient feels comfortable and has gone to a family doctor or an obstetrician for a number of years and it's a very friendly environment and the nurses communicate and the patient feels very comfortable with the staff as well as the physician, that engenders a lot of trust and can prevent a lawsuit as well. So I hear you saying the, the longer the staff is there and the longer the relationship with the patient, the less chance that an outcome is going to lead to a malpractice case. Is that right? In my opinion, yes. And what would you say the chances are of a physician these days being involved in a malpractice lawsuit in a given year? In a given year, 
It's hard to say. I will say that statistically, given the fact that we've had some tort reforms, the filings have been down significantly. I believe in 2006 and 2007, according to reports from hospitals and insurance companies, the filings are down about a third. So we're seeing 33% less malpractice cases these days because of tort reform? Because of tort reform and maybe just better charting and better medicine. A physician spends years in medical training to take care of patients. A few minutes of legal training can keep a physician from facing a medical malpractice lawsuit. I want to thank attorney Donna Sokol, who's been our guest discussing what a physician can do to prevent becoming a defendant in a medical malpractice lawsuit. I am attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.